What on earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! All aboard! I brought my pencil! Yeah! What's up, Deuterinos, and welcome to another episode of Rank 'em All, that show where a couple of friends, dudes, dudettes, or Deuterinos, sit around and we slap some ranks on some songs. Those add up to an album rank, and we find out which albums rise above the rest. Right here on Rank 'em All, we're going right down with Alice in Chains, right down to the next album with that. I'm one of your hosts, Brando, and joining me, well, I'm, as always... <laughs> It seems like every time I sent down to do a rank, this guy's right along for the ride. Sorry, it's the Podfather, Nick Phillips. Hey, man, what's going on, Brando? We are here today rocking and rolling. You said, dude, dude, that's doing aritos. We got dog arenos. I just, I just got kicked in the nuts by a dog. <laughs> oh, God. There's a, there's a chef on YouTube that I follow that I really, really like. He's got... Uh, you know, his kind of version of that. And it's guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Ooh. And I really, okay. I, I just really like that one because like that. it's like, you know, it's as chill. It's as chill as it can possibly be. Cause obviously that, that can be an uncomfortable topic for a lot sure, of Sure. Absolutely. And one thing that I, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've kind of adopted Deuterinos as like the mm-hmm. name I of, like it. of, I did that a long time ago. It was like, man, what am I going to call my people? And that's just what I called my kid. When I would come home, he would run to me and say, Daddy, and I would like, what's up, Deuterino? And it just became my thing. But, you know, as Kel says, I'm a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. You know, that is an argument that I'll make because I think it's all-encompassing. We're all dudes. Yeah, dude. I call people dudes all the time. I say I use dude a lot, but I, I have to say I can't hear the word Deuterino without thinking, or Deuter, if you're not into that whole, bre- or, you're the whole brevity thing. There you are. Exactly <laughs> right. But of course, Nate, we're not alone. You've already heard their voices. Welcome to the show once again, Ty. Tyler, how you Bob. doing? Doing good, man. And of course, the one and only Buckles is here. How are doing? We are doing fantastic. We are diving today into dirt—not literal dirt, but the album dirt from Alice and Don't James. tell me how to live my life. Well, you know what? <laughs> I won't. In fact, I I want to give Buckles the nickname the Mad Scientist just because. Like, like he's a 1990s radio jockey, the mad scientist. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. It's like, okay, if I'm not the mad scientist, I have to have like a weird animal name that is just the whatever. Like uh, the wombat or something horrible like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, okay, Buckles, the, the wombat. The, the wombat's better. We're going to go with that. I think uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, David Cross does a stand-up bit about, uh, about, stand- about radio, and he says something mm-hmm. like, it's always one is an animal, one is a like mental defect. Mm-hmm. So it's like the dingo and the lunatic, something horrible like mm-hmm. strange. Yeah. strange. Ultimate warrior, My Dean Ambrose. Strange. I haven't heard from Strange in quite some time. I've that's won, unfortunate. I've I won a daily. couple of Metallica records and Wings from that guy. So me and Strange <laughs> are pretty cool. In fact, you know there was a point where I was laughing and joking about how much I would hear from Strange, and I got a voicemail <laughs> at work from Strange. Hey, Brando, this is Strange, down at 93.5. My name is Strange. It's oh, very strange. Well, what <laughs> is strange is how much of a success the second album from Alice in Chains really was when it came out. Of course, last week we covered Faceless, 
facelift the debut album. <laughs> and there's something that I forgot to mention uh, last week, and that was uh, the charts. Oh yeah, I, I forgot totally to mention. Forgot. I I usually try to mention like how like what how how many roughly I'm not going to go worldwide album sales because we don't have like easily accessible info for that. However, the facelift last week it peaked at 42 on the Billboard 200 and is certified platinum twice, so at least over two million records sold just in the United States. So that's like you know across the entire world you might be able to add up another couple of million on top of that. Their debut was at 42. That's a pretty good start. They well, also had a couple, was it uh, Grammy, not wins, but nods? Uh, well, uh, uh, I already closed the tab for facelift, and I'm not opening it back up. So I'm not <laughs> looking right. at that one. However, uh, Dirt Drive has spoken. If I recall, I know Man in the Box was nominated for, I think, a Grammy and like an MTV movie award or a video music award at least once, I think. Dirt was nominated for a Grammy award for best hard rock performance. And, of course, there were five singles from Dirt. Dirt was released. The Men Twelve. <laughs> uh, Dirt was released September 29th, nineteen ninety two, and as I said, five singles. It is under the genre of grunge, heavy metal, alternative metal, and alternative rock. And I want to, I want to, I want to test your trivia right off the bat, Brando. Did you mention the word singles? The last song that's singles correct, in your area? No, we're, Tyler. I know that's on the brain, but we're not doing that. <laughs> hey. The first. The first single on the album, Wood, was actually from the movie Singles, predating Dirt. Well, there you go. Um, this album peaked at number six on the Billboard 200 and is certified platinum four times. So they they did what they needed to do with the second album, and that is more than double your fruits of your labor. And uh, with... Coming in with five singles, not not just five singles. Remember last album, it was four singles. It was like one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, right in a row, right, right the sound, like right mm-hmm. down the track listing. Every single on this record is fire, absolute fire. I'm gonna say every single track on this record is fire. <laughs> yeah, I, just be. I mean. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and speak for the group. Just be prepared for this one's like, gonna be skewed, folks. Almost uncomfortable, like gushing for this album in certain points, because I've I've got some numbers pulled up myself. You know, there on on just Spotify specifically. You know, I brought the or talked about this a little bit last week. There are four. There's four tracks on this album on Spotify. That have over a hundred million plays. That's just Spotify, you know, and that's not including any of the other services, like I right. said. And then out of the total 13, there's another four that have 10 plus million. So it's like the the whole album is just it's it's just prime choice, grade A, top shelf material. It is- to most people, it is probably one of these seminal albums in the grunge era and one of the best albums of the 90s, bar none. Absolutely. Um, I know I mentioned on our uh, our, our uh, messenger chat, our group chat, that uh, as I was doing my rankings for this, like I'm completely incapable of being non-biased. I love this album. This is one of my top 10, if not top five albums of all time. I totally agree, so. but I... 
unlike last week, I put this one under a little bit more of a microscope, and I'm interested to get hey. talking about some tracks. So this album was recorded during the Rodney King riots, and uh, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, they had to get out of like town. They were, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, Jerry, um, Jerry Cantrell was buying beer, and somebody came in to loot the store while he was in there. And he and they he he was stuck in traffic. I saw people getting pulled out of their vehicles, getting beat. So uh yeah, they got a they they got out of town and uh came back and finished up the record. Um, didn't they like hold up with uh, Tom Araya from Slayer? They did, and, and he's like, also on this record yeah. as well. Yes, so he is. um the. One of the biggest themes of this record is drug use, mm-hmm. and of course, Lane was pretty big into drugs off and on at the time. And unfortunately, we know his fate. Um, that is not a spoiler. So, like diving into some of these songs, lyrically and thematically, was prophetic. It was well, like yeah, but it was also pretty hard because you know, like he was, it's he, dark as shit. Yeah, it was pretty dark, and he would even say that he would regret, um, kind of going as far as he did because it's like he was, he, he was honest. He said, "I wrote about drugs, and I didn't think I was being unsafe or careless from, by writing about them. I didn't want my fans uh, to think that heroin was cool." But then I've had fans come up to me with give me thumbs up telling me that they're high and that's exactly what I didn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, it, it it's it's pretty sad. Um I heard pray tell rumor of when they were d- recording this that James Hetfield was around and might have poked his head in the studio. Interesting. Nate? I had not heard that now. Are you okay over yeah. there, buddy? I have a note. I have a note first track right out the gate involving what you just said. I can't wait. Well, uh, let's just, I mean, I can't now. wait. I'll wait till you tell well, me it's on. time before but... we, before we do that, <laughs> I, uh, a quote from Staley. I wanted to go, there's a quote from Cantrell about the record that I love. And when listening to this, uh, I've listened to it like three or four times, going back and going over the lyrics and everything. And I had always listened to it under the, like through the ones of it being a drug album. Really it is. But only about half of the the songs are directly about it. Some of them just feel like they are. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Jerry Cantrell has a really good quote that goes through the the kind of theme of the album. And that's, uh, it's really easy to die. It's really hard to live. It takes a lot of guts to live. It doesn't take a lot of guts to die. And I'm like, that's heavy as shit. And I fucking love it. I did. Cantrell was fucked up too the whole time. Uh, I did see Staley said that there's two themes of the record. One of them is drug use. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the, the other one is like the, the struggle, you know, daily struggles in life, the ups and downs, and then turning to drugs to ease that pain. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately finding that it doesn't, and it's not the right, right way. Yeah. Right here in the first track, you know, them bones coming right out of the gate, the court, the first chorus, I feel so alone, gonna end up a big old pile of them bones. And it's like. You know, you thought you thought you were going to get a little bit more of what the last album was, and then it just kicks you in the dick right out of the gate. Yeah, so um, for this album, Allison Chains is Lane Staley, Jerry Cantrell, Mike Starr, and Sean Kenny, with additional performances by Tom Maria. Um, 
I will try to signify and remember the riders. Uh, it does get a little blurry uh, for a couple of tracks, but the uh, Jerry Cantrell wrote the opening song, Them Bones, was a single. It was the second single of the album. And uh, and also one of the shortest on the album, Them Bones, Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is a classic song from Alice in Chains. Back to back, two albums in a row with great opening tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, seventy five million plays on uh, Spotify. It, it is short, but so sweet. Mm-hmm. Gets in, gets out. It does what We Die Young does, but yep. so much better. Mm-hmm. And I love We totally. Die Young. That was one of my favorites off of that album, coming off that rank, and. Um, they, you know, we talked about how they were <clears throat> establishing their style with facelift. This is them bringing that same energy with, with Die Young and harnessing it. Boom! This is our style. This is us. We're 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 kicking you like you like like you said, Ty, right in the dick. Like this one, you mentioned that they're you work on their style for facelift. We had talked on the on the rank for facelift how they had different influences. You could hear different styles in that. Mm-hmm. They're kind of still finding stuff. This is their style perfected. Like they figured it out and then, okay, we're refining this fucking down. This is the purest distillation of Alice in Chains. This record is and absolutely kicking the fucking door down with your face behind it. As yeah. soon as that track and, and like that, the riff is cool. The structure is cool. But like ascending part of the riff is just fucking great. It's There's got the, such a unique rhythm. Oh mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Um. The and vocal the, harmonies. I was, yeah, absolutely. Vocal harmonies yeah. on this song. Perfect. The short but sweet guitar solo. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the 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 very first, yeah, of the album. That's James Hetfield. <laughs> I, I wrote I that. Exactly is that Hat? Is, is that did Hat sneak into the studio? Right in between the two like halves of the solo. Yeah. Did he just poke his head in the door and yell that and then, then yeah. run away? <laughs> Never gonna catch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Hetfield is the greased up deaf guy. I'm popping all the candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, does anybody else have anything to say? We kind of uh, didn't really go into any order that time. We all just gushed. Uh, that was that I, was uh, awesome. When I so I just recently got back from vacation, so I had two seven hour car rides. Skylar and I together listened to Dirt multiple times on the way down and on the way back. And I had a lot of time, you know, while during naps and stuff, because I would just let the album play a time or two on repeat and then I'd switch it up. And, you know, it might come back in the playlist. And there was more than once that this out or this uh, first track came up through my shuffle and it was just, you know, so nostalgic. You know, obviously the song came out in 92. I was born in 91. So, bam, right when you're a teenager, it's like, man, check this shit out. And it's so nostalgic that it has to be a perfect 10. You know, 75 million plays on Spotify, I think, doesn't reflect truly, you know, just how great this song Mm -hmm. is. Um, 10 out of 10 for me. Buckles. Are you in the ranking now? Uh, I it's it, like I said, it's the perfect distillation of the Allison Chain style. It's ten. Nate, I like this song quite a bit. However, I can't escape always having a memory of 
fucking playing guitar hero in this song so oh, big uh, thing so i don't know for me I, I i love this song but i didn't want to be like whipping out tens every two seconds and and you know joe grimes an album or something like that so i uh i, I definitely just went with a 9.25 if i think of a video game in this song i think of san andreas and i gave it a 10 fair absolutely um the next track, Damn That River, written by Jerry Cantrell, is a song that he wrote after he got in a fight with, um, was it Kenny? Sean Kenny? I think so. I think Sean. it's the, one of the other members of the band, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, like like Sean Kenny hit him over the head yes. with a coffee yeah. table. Yes. So The song has two popular interpretations. One is which Jerry Cantrell and Sean Kenny got into an altercation, and Kenny breaks a coffee table over Cantrell's head. Very interesting. Um, I'll go first. And I said, it's very riffy and uh, catchy. And it it keeps the energy flowing from the last song. Maybe it's not, maybe it is a step down for sure. But as far as like quality goes, I feel like we didn't drift too far um, from the road here. Up next, since Nate kind of went last, I'll let him go first. What would you think about Damn That River? So one thing I want to say that for my notes this time, it's just going to be a lot of riffing and just kind of like live talking because I've been so immersed. Literally, since we finished last week's album, literally the only thing I've listened to is Dirt. <laughs> so I'm just like uh, super in it. And uh, Damn That River is one of those songs that as soon as it comes on, you just have this like head bang. You can't control yourself stopping it. It's got such a um, powerful vibe in the way they deliver the song. But one thing I want to say is throughout this album, you're going to hear me say this song specifically inspired a whole band to be created. This is the first example because Damn That River is so the song that inspired Zach Wild. When you hear it, it's a Zach Wild song. I mean, you could hear adding little guitar squeals and it would be perfect. That was actually in my notes. Where is Zach Wild at? <laughs> like that's what I wrote. Where is Zach Wild? Question mark. Nate, your cat um, agrees with you. Yeah. I oh. <laughs> um when I first started listening to the album, when I was in like high school, middle school, this was my favorite song in the album. And it still is like my, one of my sentimental favorites. And this is still to this day, one of my favorite absolute just fuck you songs. It is the most, one of the most spiteful songs you can actually put to a record. It is. I am pissed at you. I don't know if I'm ever not going to be pissed at you. And I don't get that. I am pissed at you. Fuck you. Fuck what you stand for. Fuck what you came in on. Yep. And I don't care. You're not going to change my mind. It is absolute fucking spite. And I love it. I had, you know, I, I mentioned the, the Zach wild uh, potential there. And then really the only other note that I had was quality and respect because, you know, Brandon, you hit it right on the head. What an energy carrier from the next song. Song. and lyrically you know oh you couldn't damn that river and maybe i don't give a damn anyway like lyrically it's so powerful it's such a good like jam song how could you not like it i love it i thought it was really good and uh i gave it an 8.75 
from me over here. Not too far off, Brando. I gave that bad Biasha a nine. Nine. And T.Y., what'd you give it? 8.5. Right there in the ballpark. And Buckles. Buckles. I defy you to find another song where somebody gets hit in the face with a rake. 9.5. 9. <laughs> <laughs> 9.5. 9.5. I, I make no claim of sanity with my ratings of this album. I have, I have too sentimental, sentimentality about it. That's I understandable. It's just quality, dude. It's just, it's top notch. The next song, Rain When I Die, was written by the whole band, Cantrell, Staley, Kenny, and Starr. And it was later revealed that the lyrics were uh, written by um, Cantrell and Staley. So um, this song I wrote down for my notes, the Metallica Load Riff Returns. So like, I'm not, uh, what I'm saying is, when I hear Load a couple of years later, I hear that Metallica was like, man, you know what? Those Alice in Chains guys, you know, our friends over there. Um, yeah. When I stuck my head in the studio, yeah. I heard a pretty cool riff. So I'm going to say something like this. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally, I really wish that I, you know, would have been picking this up on earlier, but I definitely feel and hear that Metallica was like, whatever they're doing over there, that's more simplistic. You know, yeah. they they they'd already gone there. They they uh, you you can almost say that like half of the first load record was kind of influenced by what Allison Chains was doing with some of their stuff, um, and me- meshing it with the Metallica style. But I get that here. It has a this song has a very similar sound a little bit to a certain song way in the future, and we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> but. Uh, and there's also a little bit of Sabbath in here I heard as well. But we will go to, as I'm losing my voice, T.Y. Dang it, bud. I, so for my notes, I put, um, let me get it pulled back up here. Uh, slow start, but what a finish. So I don't, that instrumental solo at the beginning, you know, when you're driving along in your car and you're going, 80 miles an hour on the interstate and you go from like, you know, let it go some Disney tunes and <laughs> bam, this, that instrumental solo comes over the radio and it's like, God, but I think the more I listened to this song, the more I started to dig it. And I think that, you know, again, you read some of these lyrics and it's like, Jesus, man, uh, I, I think it's just quality enough that that's that's enough. You know what I mean? Nate, what do you got, bud? Man, uh, Rain When I Die is a song that absolutely nails me. It's just like so much feeling, so much emotion. I said this, emotionally powerful. This band really hitting it here. And not to say the first two tracks aren't, but this is the first time you're like, He's going through some shit, and he's really throwing himself out there to express the shit he's going through. Dude, that uh, chorus, man. The chorus is my favorite on the album, and we're going to get there. Um, I will say that there is a riff in there that made me, the main riff of the song is makes me think the NWO is about to come out. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's like knockoff, like discount Dollar General NWO is about to come out. That's the second <laughs> album in a row with that. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I don't understand, but there it is. Uh, 
there's too many good things to say about this song, but in my heart, I know that this is one of the songs that I will call sleeper on the album and not feel any shame in saying that. Right on. And buckles. Um, the first, when I listened to it originally and going through the album for a long time without really getting too much into the lyrics, I always just took it to be like, oh, this is depressing. This is about being you know, miserable and being walking out in the rain and just sucky. Well, still love the song, but and then listening to or reading Cantrell's what he talks about, the song's written to a girl. This is about a relationship. Well, yeah. And re like reinterpreting the lyrics through that, it's like almost more not necessarily identifiable, but you more sympathetic because the song is about like this, like, will she like respect me after this? Will she want me after this? I'm always like hiding something. It's or did like, she call my name? And right. then turn, you turn right back around it's, to it. It's like this like crippling uh, like, self-doubt, self-destruction, uh, dooming this relationship that he's having. Regardless of what her feelings are, he's dooming this himself. It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy of, I, I'm so like upset with everything. I'm so depressed that I'm doing this already. And it, it makes the song like, it kind of pops a little bit more. It doesn't it? It doesn't go along with the drug theme of the rest of the record, but it also has this theme of like overlying dealing with some shit. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so great, though. Yeah, because definitely. it sets itself apart, right, from that 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 major Absolutely. theme. Absolutely. Um, as far as the music stuff, I wanted to like one of my favorite parts of this is so minor. It's in that in that uh, that uh, instrumental riff at the beginning. They're like you can hear them playing with like the very top strings of the guitar. That real like jangly like glass mm-hmm. sound. I love that. I don't know what it is. I don't know how he's doing that. It doesn't make any other appearance in the song, but that always like. I just kind of pop for that a little bit. And then the ending where you have the, it kind of fades out and then fades back in mm-hmm. with that chorus part. It's so weird. It makes like, it, there's not really much sense to it. Yeah. Not really yeah. For it. Yeah. It that feels thrown in there, but it stands out really well. It's cool. It catches you off guard. Every yeah, time I listen to it, you know, cause I don't have it set, like, especially on Spotify, mm-hmm. I don't have it set to uh, remove that transition. So the well, song, the that's song plays it. totally, and it, it catches me off guard every yeah. time I listen to it. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be a transition into the next song or if that's the actual ending to Rain When I Die, because it does fade back out again. Mm-hmm. Well, no, so it just kind of ends abruptly. Yeah. Like, it fades out to fade back in to end abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one last thing. Uh, the answer to Lane's question was, regardless of if the sky was raining when he died, I know the world rained. Cause it was a you know, very sad thing. And uh, I don't know. I, I think this song, man, there, there is some real deep, deep darkness within this guy Absolutely. that is, that is onion layers peeling through mm-hmm. as we, as we dive deeper into the psychosis of, right. of what he was going through, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. Buckles, what'd you rank it, buddy? Um, honestly, I have a nine out of 9.5 out of 10. Um, I, again, love the song. It is uh, something I've listened to over and over and over throughout most of my life. It's always been a, a like one of those perfect rainy day songs. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it is. Like, I used to, it definitely I, is. In true emo nerd fashion, I used to love walking to, like, walking to class back and forth in the fucking rain with this on the giant head can headphones circa 2007. <laughs> Nate. <clears throat> 10. Wow. Absolutely. I think it's totally deserving. 
Absolutely. This is one of the songs that I judged a little, maybe too harsh, I think, but totally. Is that your rank? No, 8.75. Okay. (laughs) You said it's deserving. I gave it an eight. The next song, Down in a Hole, written by Jerry Cantrell. Welcome to the fields, boys. Did we all start <laughs> clapping right now? Um, this was the final single uh, released from this record. And, um, Nate gets to go first. Uh, preload vibes yet again. Uh, there's a lot of the inspiring of Metallica in this song. I love the intricate work of the guitar throughout. It, it, it's it's in constant motion throughout the whole entire song. There's something going on. I love it. I love the emotion which Lane sings in and the harmonies that they hit together, Jerry and him. It's like it raises the hair on my arms just thinking about it, let alone listening to it. Uh, this is one of those songs that... <clears throat> When you're younger, it hits you like it's like a cool song. And then as you get older, you're like, man, I can I can I can fucking feel that in my bones, you know, Um, and and because sometimes life just beats you down and beats life beats the life out of you. If that can be this this specific song's motto. Uh, But I I love this song. There's so many great things. It's the I think it's the second verse when he comes out and the guitar's got the it's real intricate picking. They got that like phaser on it or whatever. Maybe it's reverb. Yep. And Lane is just in the fucking pocket. It's so I can't even. Anyways, that's all. That's my thoughts. Buckles. Um, the song is. It's the first like truly somber song that they've released on any of their albums. This is out of all of uh, Facelift going into this is the first one that is actively like low key and slower. Mm-hmm. This is this is the song that Love Hate Love wanted to be, and it is their first truly like beautiful song. Even it's sad, depressing as hell. This is a gorgeous operatic song, like from the way it's structured, the way they had the guitar swells in the back. The harmony, everything. This is an operatic song, um, and what it's got one of my favorite lines in on the entire album of the "Look at me now, I'm the man who won't let himself be." Mm-hmm. It's like he is just he's upset, he's sad, he's depressed, and he knows it's his fault. This is this is your doing, mm-hmm. and yeah, down in a hole. Yes, I'm fucking buried. Yes, I am at my wit's end. But this is my own fucking fault, and I have to deal with it. Ty. I think, you know, anybody in their right mind, anybody that appreciates Alice in Chains for who they are and what they accomplish and what they continue to accomplish, anybody has to rank this a 10. Okay. I'm I'm just saying that up front. But what I uh, what I think makes this song for me a 10 is you have Cantrell with with the intro and then Lane sings the next verse and then they do one together and then it goes back to Lane Mm -hmm. and then this song again takes the formula that they that they absolutely have found in success and then tweaks it just a little bit 
and then makes you fall in love with this version and then you want more of this and then you know brando the again the vocal harmonies like dude it just i mean it just makes you like want to gush the lyrics go ahead go ahead I was going to say, this is like the, the tone wise, this is the first time that you get that feel that you get later in their acoustic stuff mm-hmm. that that's that no excuses that like that somber, their whole fucking acoustic live album mm-hmm. is this feel. Right. It's amazing. Buckle saying the thing about it being, oh, quickly. No, you're the fine. Buckle saying the thing about it being symphonic though, man, it, it makes me wish that they did a, Alice and Chains and Symphony or whatever. The oh fuck oh my god, god dude. Orchestral. Like, uh, oh, oh fuck yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the final thing that I had to say. Um think about the things that devo- define truly like think about it, every band's greatest performance, right? What are most people going to say for Alice in Chains? It's that unplugged, mm-hmm. you know, and then you break that down even further. And I was going to say that's the only thing that's unfortunate about this song is if they would have never done the unplugged set, then obviously this is one of the greatest songs of all time in this version. Right. That unplugged set, man. And especially with the video seeing how sick Lane looks and oh yeah you know it's it's soul crushing and that is what makes this a 10 out of 10. It's my rank. This is my favorite. Fault, yeah. This is my favorite Allison Chain song of all time. Yep. Can't it, fault that at all. It was before. Uh it is now. And all I can hope for with the rest of these ranks for the rest of these albums Mm-hmm. Is to find any song that gets remotely within the shadow of this song. Yep. If something even gets even a a ass hair close to this, I'll be pretty happy with this ranking, uh, with, with these episodes. This yep. valid. This song so far out of these, you know, out of the last album and this one is the most grunge sounding. Yes. To me. So far, well, for what is normally for what is defined, not because even though Allison Chains is considered grunge, we established in the last episode they are more heavy grunge. Every mm-hmm. band has their own style and their own thing, right. but there is a formula and there is a thing that has been established as grunge sounding, and a lot of that, like whether you like it or not, is what Nirvana brought to the table. This right. this gets close to that Nirvana sound. And they do again later on on the record, and I'll point it out. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying they're ripping off Nirvana. I'm saying they have found something in here that is reminiscent of that. But in my opinion, they do it better. It's it's that Seattle sound. Yeah, yeah. I that that's that's what it is to me. It's you know, it's like I said at that time, so many musical greats were coming out of the West coast. And, you know, immediately everybody's like, okay, it's all, it's all getting cranked out of California. No, it's coming out of Seattle, man. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It's just getting like, recorded in California. <laughs> yeah. I, as far as like the sound and we'll, we've talked about it before, but to me, the, 
the grunge sound has never been Nirvana. That's never been the, the prototypical grunge sound to me. This has been, this album is the prototypical grunge sound to me, but that's also because I feel like Alice in Chains is the stereotypical grunge band. It is the, uh, it is the, uh, the finest expression of a grunge band, mm-hmm. but I think when you say that, yes, they did it better than Nirvana. I don't think there's anything they didn't do that was, wasn't better than Nirvana. No, I'm definitely saying what is more commonly perceived as a, as what people see as the grunge sound. No, I agree. I agree. Um, Because absolutely. Because listening to as much Alice in Chains as I had before the rank and now diving into some of these B sides, Mm -hmm. you know, hearing a different side, hearing the more of what, you know, this band is, they are so much more than that. And I'm excited Absolutely. to get to more. I gave the song a ten. Nate, did you also? Is it, what'd you give it? It is a ten. All right, and buckles. I can't call something beautiful and operatic without giving it a ten. All right, we got our second perfect score, fellas. Yep. Uh, down in the hole, uh, absolutely majestic. Uh, the only thing, uh, dude, I struggled with giving this a ten for the exact same reason. No, no, no. Just wait. Just wait. Just hear me out. Not because I didn't want to. I wanted to. But for the exact same reason that that Tyler uh, said earlier, the unplugged one, which we are going to rank. Right. Coming up. Spoilers here, I can't folks. wait. Um, there is one song on the entire Metallica run, the entire run, that I said, if I broke my own rules, I would give it 11. This would be that song. And that would be mm-hmm. on the unplugged version. Fair. And so, yeah, um, literally, fucking spoilers, bro. God. Well, I, I, they'll forget by then. It's cool. <laughs> Ty already said <laughs> that unplugged version of this song. Just like you said, it is hair raising. And Dude, hearing the album wow. version, how close it gets to mm-hmm. that, just on on a recording, because it's it's what you said, and we're going to talk about it when we get to the unplugged. But I'll be the slightly dissenting opinion in that I actually heard this track before I heard the unplugged. Mm-hmm. So this to me is the first, this is what I always think of with this song. I don't even, I love, I adore the unplugged version. This is still the version I think of. After watching it, I could not ever like, like I, I love both versions, but no, like completely, the only, completely the only reason that. I was struggling, it's I'm the like, whole performance if, mm-hmm. because if 10 is the highest, then that's a 10. And then I'm like, well, then is this a 9.75 or 9.9? Because <laughs> and then I'm and then I'm struggling with it, and then I'm like, no, it's it, it's it's freaking ten. The next song, folks, sick man. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> sick man, sick man, sick man, sick man, <laughs> sick man. Always gotta find a medicine for his cough. <laughs> if you guys have not been listening along to the Van Halen <laughs> rank, that is on Van Halen three. And that was a ride and a trip. No, guys. Uh. Sick Man, written by Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley. Not a single here for this one. Um, Thank uh, God. I'll shoot it on to Buckles first on this one. What'd you guys say for Sick Man? Uh, This is the very start. Like, we've talked about it already. The whole album so far has felt like this guy's going through through some shit. This is the first first track where you go, oh, that's what he's going through. Oh, and this is a drug trip in coalesced in one song. You have manic, you have 
the spiraling out of control bits. You had this floaty chorus or like a bridge into the chorus. And just some of the, again, you're getting some of the darker lyrics. This is one of like the darkest choruses to me. I can feel the wheel, but I can't steer. When my thoughts become my biggest fear, what's the difference? I'll die. Eh, fuck it. I don't care. I can't. I'm completely numb. I don't care. I'm going to go crash and die. Fuck it. Who cares? How do you get you? I say, how can you get darker? But they, they kind of do on the album, but for sure it's, it's resignation becoming acceptance and then just not giving a shit in this cycle that just continues to repeat itself because he doesn't die. He just does it again. Mm-hmm. It's this is where you start to see the theme of the rest of the album. T Y. This is going to be the first, and I'm I'm really hopeful the the only and only time that I just don't like an Alice in Chains song. I I I in my notes, you know, I think I was really fair with my ranking. Um, the the one thing that I have written down is vibes question mark because. Every time that I listen to this song, all seven hours, there and back, I I wanted to skip it. I didn't. I just didn't like it. No shit. My notes say the first song across both albums so far. I'm leaning towards disliking. Yep. I like the it's, riffs, it, but yeah, I don't like the vocal melodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. I have a hard time getting into it. I Uh, think this would have been a really good candidate for maybe just an instrumental tune. You know, maybe Ecstasy of Gold style, kind of, or, you know, something like that. It's just, yeah. I mean, you you said it way better than I did. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm here for, I guess, too. Uh, Nate, you got for Sick Man. So think about the f- intro verse. Da, 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 da. Right. It was in that moment that Rob Zombie was born. <laughs> <laughs> it is so Rob Zombie, it hurts. But here's the weird thing. This song does this thing where it gives me a thing that I kind of really love, but the rest of the song is not good. So in the bridge, when they transition to that slow picking guitar, that's kind of mega deathy in its style. The lyrics there, to me, inspired the creation of System of a Down. The way they do their harmonies, because there's this like low, deep harmony that digs under the across the guitar, and at the same time that's happening, there's a super high pitched one that just sits right in the point that almost hurts your ears to hear it. Mm-hmm. And those are the only good things I have to say about this otherwise useless song. Ooh, ooh, useless. <laughs> I, wow. I, I, I'm really the only guy that actually likes the song. I think so. I, I actually really like the song. Uh, lyrical content, it's the first fucking verse. What the hell am I? A thousand eyes a fly. Lucky then I'd be in one day deceased. All right. I want to die. See, and, and now I, here, here's the... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go, 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 go ahead. As, as you say things like, oh, that's what I wanted to say, pops into my head. I love the first two lines of this opening verse. I don't like 
the way it fades into the next verse. I don't like the sick man, sick man. It, it just, it, it, it immediately, yeah, I, it immediately I, puts I, a bad taste in my mouth. For me, it's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not listening to this as a single. I don't even listen to this really like a song. This is, uh, if you listen to, okay, going back uh, to an older reference, you listen to the who Tommy, that is a, a concept album. Most of the songs are just sweets. They're not really meant to be a single. There's no structure there. Mm-hmm. This is a listening to a drug trip. This is being hyped up and hyped up and all of a sudden just getting so fucking numbed out that you're just spinning. It's Mortal Kombat dance. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the chorus. Okay. I just I love that structure. I love like yes, it is off putting. It's meant to be off putting. Well, they do a good job. Like they they I, <laughs> I can't fault them for that. I can't fault it. I just I love that design. I love that high, that fast to blur to fast to blur i love it yeah and i think i can speak for everybody you know don't get me wrong it's hard it was really hard for me to be like i just don't enjoy this <laughs> because it, it, it house and chains for sure for me is one of those i put it on it's it's i'm either in a mood or it's going to stabilize my mood and i can just chill or I can get amped up if I want to. And this is too much amp. <laughs> this is three cans of amp. Yeah. This is this is uh <laughs> this is amp energy drink. Yes. That's no fair. one likes that one. Completely fair. Buckles, what'd you give it, buddy? I give it a nine. nine. I, I, I love the song. TY, what'd you give it? Um five point five. Nate. 6.75. 6.75. I gave her a six. The uh, the next song, nobody's ever heard of this one, uh, written by Jerry Cantrell. It's the longest <laughs> song on the record, uh, six minutes and 15 seconds. It was a single, so I guess a few people have heard it. It was a fourth single, believe it or not. And it's this song, it's like I don't know, it's Rooster or something like that. Um <laughs> I had a hard time writing notes for Rooster. I'll be honest with you. Because what hasn't already been said about this song? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jerry wrote this, wrote this about his dad and, mm-hmm. and his time in Vietnam. This song, um, it's a journey. It's a man, it, it is a story of a man's journey. Uh through a literal real life hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it because it's more cerebral than it is. Like Met- Metallica did some wartime songs. One is a very cerebral wartime song. Mm-hmm. This is a much different personal affecting wartime songs. Somebody who wasn't injured in combat, but was injured in, mul- in other ways. Um, and that's about the best way that I could put it. So, um, T.Y., uh, you, I'll, I'll let you go first. I absolutely adore this song in every possible way, lyrically, structurally, the instrumentals, you know, those little, like, instrumental interludes between the chorus is like every bit of this song 
makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck because it is just this is the standard that every grunge band should be held to right here this is it because like you said it's an absolute journey unfortunately it also has another incredible unplugged version (laughs) that again with the whole total performance you know it takes you on its own journey and that's what i love about it it when you hear the the single or the, you know what what most people would think of as the radio version the uh, unplugged version doesn't feel the same it's mm-hmm. it's its own thing Very true. and i appreciate that Very so true. can't wait to hear what you guys have to say buckles um I may disappoint a couple people here because while I do think this is a fantastic song and one of their best songs, it's also probably my least favorite song on the album um, because it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. But is that, is that, it's, could mean, that also be just because of how much it was played no, on the radio? Um, you mentioned something very similar, actually. Um <laughs> that when you were listening to listening to the album through, this is the, the one song you wanted to skip. Rooster is the one mm-hmm. I'd always end up skipping. And not because I don't like it. It's a fantastic song. I, it's I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a high ranking because it is a fantastic fucking song. But because when I listen to the album, that's not what I'm listening for. I'm not, I would listen to this as a single. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this back in the sixties, when they were released just a single off an EP and then release the album later, I listen right. to this as a single and listen to this separately from the album. It just it for one thing, it's the only positive song on the album. And with all the doom and gloom on it, it's the only optimistic song on the entire fucking album. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how much the hell the guy made me walk out the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> His fucking thoughts, man. Nate, this is what I do. I make you walk off shows. We've established this. I had to get another um, drink because of you, bro. I'm not sober <laughs> enough for these. I'm spots. driving Nate to drinking. I'm driving Nate to drinking. No, um, I've went through like, two bowls of snacky fish. That's how stressed out I am. <laughs> Damn, now I want some snacky fish, dude. I upgraded to the snacky whales. Way better. Okay, I'll um, take that dad tip. Thanks. <laughs> That's I, what I'm I, here for. It's to me. It just it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. Like. I, I listened to this wanting to get to that heavier, <laughs> darker, like. <laughs> what are you, Wilson? For those of I you didn't... without the video, without the component of video for this, Tyler just absentmindedly just moved the camera up. So all we're getting is the <laughs> top of the bottom cap. I don't think and it was some, absent-minded, bro. Some, I some think stuff. it was very intentional. And some very, some very suspicious looking. Is it dry ice? Is the cow on fire? <laughs> is the undertaker coming out? <laughs> Brewing a potion. Focus, focus, time. It's spooky season, bub. And a dead man's toe. Yep. Dead man's Nate. toe and a dead man's toe. Nate. Oh my god. What are Please your thoughts on Rooster? Had to. Ten. It's a ten. That's what that, that are his notes. It's, it's a ten. I can't control myself. Thanks, Nate. Let me explain why though. I love That's this song. Of that- 
that's kind of the point of the show. Thank you for doing so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the first middle finger we've ever had on Frank Lamont. That's historic and shit. Uh, okay, oh, so. Okay, anyways. Last week we met. Last week we met. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandon didn't fall out of his chair. I thought he might have. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm just looking at Nate, and then I see T.Y.'s window just slowly creeping back now. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. Hey, it so, anyways, last week we met up to do Rank Em All. We did facelift. And then it was like, hey, next assignment's dirt. And I was like, I really want to dive in and really like immersively listen so like i said all i did for an entire week was listen to this first day wednesday i'm at the house i'm doing my dishes i'm listening to dirt uh, rooster comes on i literally stopped what i was doing went got my guitar and figured out how to play the song on guitar because i wanted to learn it because i have always wanted to play it and i was like you know what I can play this fucking song now. And it's actually kind of difficult, but I can play that song. Anyways. So you're making so, yeah, Buckles and, leave the show now. He's like, fuck. Yeah. I don't want to yeah, he, he's, he, he's, he's not happy that I can play a musical instrument. No, he's uh, like, screw you and your guitar playing this. So, no, no, but, but it was one of those things that, like, I, I just remembered how much I loved the song. And being able to play the guitar made me feel so much more satisfied. So definitely a part of the contribution to why it gets a 10. Dude, this song, it just, it, it has a cool vibe about it with, with what buckles liked about the other one with the, with this whole like setup and journey. This one's more like put together, tells a story. And that's what I love about it. Absolutely. I, I gave it a 10. Nate. T-Y, what like, what, like what do you um, got to say? And then what you, and what's your rank? It, I mean, it's got to be a 10. I, I kind of just had a funny thought pop into my head. You know, it was in this moment that Coheed and Cambria was born because of the, you know, the imag- you board the imagination copter and you go to Vietnam. Like, you're you're having Vietnam flashbacks um, because it's... The it's, pills gets mosquito death, man. Dude, that line gets me. Line. I'm just like, ooh, ooh. That- I, I still love that bolt, the bullet scream, the, the sound of his voice during that is so mm-hmm. fucking great. Um, they spit on me in my homeland. Glorious in the pictures of my boy. And it's <laughs> like, it, it's when I was younger, thank you, Nate. Um, when I was younger, I always thought that this meant like when he was coming back from. Um, when they were coming back from their tour, you know, they were, they were being, uh, met with a lot of, uh, distaste, you know, I mean, think about how awful that was for people coming back. And then as I got older, I was like, oh no, that's not what he means. It's like, this is him saying that he realizes while he's over there fucking about to be dead that they are, they're doing that, that everybody's now. pissed that he's even there mm-hmm. and he's getting pictures of his kid and uh like Nate said mosquito death and it's like oh my god 
10 out of 10. Too much emotion to not be. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, the song always makes me think uh, one of my favorite comic books, actually, uh, Preacher. There's a whole subline in Preacher that is his dad being in Vietnam that you follow him through, and that always makes me think of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm. Uh, I know I was critical of it. I know I'm not like. I don't like this placement on the album. Whatever. It's just still a fucking great song. This is a ten out of ten. Hell yeah! Despite any any criticism I might have, this is a ten out of ten. Hell Thank yeah. you for walking me off the show for my drink, though. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I had to walk off because my dog. I realized she has no water in her bowl, and she was sitting there just staring at me. I'm like, oh, that's why you're staring. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel terrible now. <laughs> Third perfect score from Alex well <laughs> Two albums in, third perfect score. Not a bad place to be. Uh, going forward here, the next song, Junkhead, written by Ken Trail and Staley. Um, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, slow jam and catchy chorus. Uh, it, it It's like a decent verse melody away from being a single. And I really dig the mood in this one. Um it's really all I got to say about Junkhead. I know, like, uh, thematically here, we're going, we're diving into to, um, autobiographical territory here for <laughs> Lane Staley um, and what he's been going through. But uh, we'll hit Nate first for Junkhead. What do you got for me, buddy? Uh, this song gave me a very specific vibe. And I hope, I hope, Brando, that when I say it, it sparks you to be like, shit, that's right. Because I feel this song definitely has floods vibes mm. from Pantera, just in the vocal delivery and the sludginess of the guitar. Now, obviously, the chorus is in a major key. It sounds happy. It's really kind of a funny dichotomy because he's singing what's my drug of choice (laughs) 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 and it's in like a major happy key and it's all fun but like the rest of the song is sludgy um but it's this song is not my favorite on the album but it's also not a song i stop listening to it's it's weird in its placement like i would not call this a perfect song I think I think it shows still some of their, you know, sophomore uh, imperfections, which is OK. You know, I don't know if some of the ways the songs vocals were delivered is perfect or whatever, but I do really enjoy this song. T.Y. I a lot of what you said, Brando, and a lot of what Nate said, I feel like I'm you know really, really strong happy medium you know leaning both directions at the same time kind of vibe um no, i don't, I, I don't know but I'm, I'm laughing because look over my right shoulder right now <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I keep like, i'm sorry I, I wanted to point out why it's still in the picture <laughs> my dog hey, is standing standing I, behind me just staring at me from behind like hanging out in the bottom of the frame i need something <laughs> frank used to do that when i recorded <laughs> podcasts r.i.p frank okay anyway, oh, r.i.p so um one of the things that really stood out for me, sorry, I accidentally maximized every screen I had at the same time. <laughs> um, in my po- my notes, I put kind of the same thing that you said, Brando, catchy. Um, but I didn't know a lot about this song, um, you know, really until we started doing this. So I looked into it and I got a couple things to read. Um, 
It says Jerry and Lane wrote this. It was their way of expressing their thoughts on drug abuse and how you can't understand the mind of a drug user unless you are the one yourself. More specifically, he meant that only an addict could understand another addict. Understand the hellish pull that heroin has on a user's brain. And then uh, this is uh, separate from that. But what sets this commentary apart from most is that it also acknowledges just how fantastic an opiate high really is. So after looking into that and then actually like putting the lyrics under my microscope, like, dude, you want to talk about like just tough, just tough subjects. It's like, of course, you know, we we judge everyone, you know, that's what we do. But it's like so many times it's like, man, why don't they just give that shit up? Well, have you been inside the brain of somebody that is experiencing this? You know, so this song's got a lot of social commentary, too, on top of its normal themes and love it. Absolutely love it. This is actually one of my two favorite songs on the album. Um, because like Tyler just hit on the head, the lyrical content, this song is frightening to me because this is like watching a friend relapse. Mm -hmm. This is watching someone that, you know, is going to go like through hell because of this and watching them do it, not just doing it, but doing it with a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. This is the, the first note I had, this was smirking on the path to hell. This is fuck you. I'm indestructible. I'm doing this anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, the fucking an old friend turned me on to our new friend turned me on to an old favorite. Nothing better than a dealer who's high because he's going to buy. This is this smirking like like I have money, I've got money. Fuck you, I can do whatever I want. You're not going to stop me from doing drugs. This is watching your friend who you know is a problem alcoholic getting into a car and you can't stop him. Mm-hmm. This song is fucking terrifying, while being happy as hell. Mm-hmm. smirking the entire time i love this song it's it's just corrupted fucking corrupted what'd you give it buckles 9.5 9.5 and ty absolute 9.5 9.75 and nate 9.25 9.25 i gave it a seven <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not laughing at your grin. I'm laughing at the delivery of that. I gave it a seven. <laughs> and there's just silence. Nothing but silence there afterwards. I gave it a seven. Um, the next song, title track, Dirt. Mm-hmm. A song about dirt. <laughs> I don't I, think that's what it's about, Brando. I'm just saying. Uh, by Jerry and Lane. Um, uh, we'll let Buckles go first. Um. This is the flip side of Junkhead. This is the darkest song on the album, and this is one of my other two favorite songs because it is the flip side of that coin. This is what the, the other song is getting high and, and fucking flipping people off. This is coming down. This is rock bottom. Um, this is a cry for help and not being listened to. This is blaming someone else for your problems that you caused. Um, and the fact that there's lyrics about stinging pistol in my mouth. I want you to scrape me from the walls and go crazy afterwards because I've just blown my own brains out. Literally lyrics in the song. And it is, it's, he knows he's out of control. He wants to die. 
at this point. He's like, I'm so low. I am so strung out. I want my, I want my life to be over. I don't care about anything else. And I'm going to ask somebody for help and then blame, and then give them the middle finger for not helping me. This is rock bottom. And it's in its own way. It's beautiful because of it. It's heavy as shit in theme, in lyrics, in music. One who doesn't care is one who should not be. What are you talking about? Are you talking about the person who is doing the drugs and doesn't care about their own life? Are you talking about asking a friend who suddenly doesn't seem to care about you and, and hating them for it? It's it's the fucking worst. In all the best ways. Nate. This song has so many cool little intricacies. The way the guitar riff is throughout the song is almost like an Egyptian scale and how it's delivered. Uh, the fucking power in Lane's voice when he's singing some of those lines is like, it wasn't hard for him to go in the booth and do that, you guys. Like, mm-hmm. it, he was just letting out what he really felt. And, and it was... Oh, this song is powerful. Like, chills you to the core. I love the solo. It's got a really cool guitar that kind of sits under it that you don't hear a lot in their style. Uh, All in all, uh, another just fucking Homer, man. T.Y. It's funny. I actually put in my notes, chills, question mark, um... And then, you know, powerful, blah, blah, blah. Pretty much Buckles and Nate have have hit the nail on the head for me. Um, I just that opening line to the chorus, like Buckles said, one who doesn't care is one who shouldn't be. It's like, okay, I know what that means. I felt that. And then I I personally um I love the guitar solo. I just, I don't, it's just, you know, and it's not anything super crazy and it's not like, you know, we're not doing dragon force shit. It's just, it's just quality guitar solo. So love it. Love it. Top notch. So I like the guitar lick, but the song really doesn't quite get there for me. Um, It's got some catchy vocals are decent vocals, but when compared to what has already have come before, it comes yeah, off to that. me as as a bit less. And I also really like the solo, and that's what I've got to say about it. I gave it a six point seven five, and uh, we'll start with uh, Ty. What'd you give it? Nine point nine oh. Okay, nine point oh. <laughs> a niner. And Nate, what'd you give it? 9.5. 9.5. And Buckles. This is the centerpiece of the album. 10. I 10 from Buckles. The next track. Godsmack. Also by Jerry and Lane. Uh, we created our name because my lead singer got a fucking thing on his fucking lip, and that's how we created the game. You fucking liked Alice in Chains. That's how you came up with the name of your stupid ass band. It's not that stupid, hey. but hey, it's an awesome band. It's one of my favorites. I like. I like Godsmack. <laughs> I know. I just hate that they tell everybody that it's like some story, and it's like, come on, man, y'all were inspired by Alice in Chains. Let's just be real. 
Let's say, I, mean, I got a compliment from their manager once. You shut up. <laughs> it, it, that it, was the last time I got a compliment. <laughs> and a hand job. Hey, stop, oh, lobbing, stop lobbing factual statements at me like they were insults, Tyler. <laughs> I thought he was talking to me. I was like, oh, shit. Very, very, very similar, I'm sure, to like uh, Machine Head and Deep Purple, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the Deep Purple album. But, yeah. uh, man, Godsmack, I'm just going to go first. I don't really dig this at all. It's a decent riff, but the verse vocals are a no from me. This was unpleasant to my ears. And that's unfortunate for an Alice in Chains song. I, this is my second lowest rank on the entire album. But we are not getting into... Van Halen 3 territory here. In fact, this rank would be a high rank for Van Halen 3. <laughs> so therefore, I feel like it's pretty fair. We will start I like with- how you're I like your grading skills. Well, it's not Van Halen 3. So now, look, look, look. Before that, before I just, no, I just Van Halen use this for everything else. I want you to use that ranking for everything else now. Before, We're going to have to trust me. Oh, trust how me. Was, how, how was dinner tonight? Well, it wasn't Van Halen 3. <laughs> I, just got ter- <laughs> I just got terrible food poisoning from it. <laughs> I just shit myself, but it wasn't Van Halen 3. <laughs> Van Halen 3. Yeah, is, looking up. Van Halen 3 has actively tried to end my life on more than one occasion. Yeah, dude, it's not good, man. <laughs> it's so bad. And I hate the fact that I'm saying that about a Van Halen record, but it's true. It's bleeding over. That th- This will make, like, probably the fourth podcast we've done in a row where we have shat on the same record. Van Halen 3. <laughs> that includes Van Halen 3. <laughs> It is oh, not wrong. God. It is true. Oh, Nate, God. Nate, I'll pass it to you. Or did you go last? No, uh, Nate, you, you'll go first this time. So, um, verse riffs are weird and disjointed. I really love the chorus of this song, though. It is the oh, to me the saving grace. It just hits in such a way that <laughs> the guitars are powerful. There's a lot going on. Uh, all in all, this song is okay. I'm not mad at it. Uh, not, not my lowest ranking on the album for sure. Ty, so yeah, that's all I got. Pardon me, you say Ty? Ty, give it to me. Um, Brando, I I love. I'm picking up what you're putting down, my dude. This song, unfortunately to me, is unpleasant to my ears. So that's literally the first part of my notes unpleasant to my ears lyrically i'd like i like some of what's going on but nate actually hit on one of the things that that i didn't care for is i and in my notes here it's too much going on i feel like at all times throughout the song there's just too much going on um and i don't care for it it is my lowest rank on the album and Buckles, do you like this song? I very much like this song. I, I knew it. <laughs> um, again, and you mentioned that it's it's disquieting to your ears. It's unpleasant. It's meant to be. This is this is another drug trip. This is 
to me, looking at the lyrics, this is the point of view of the fucking heroine. This is the devil on the shoulder. This is, yeah, it's it's meant to be disquieting and disorienting because you're supposed to be tripping out and not in a good way. This is bad trip. This is um, that chorus, especially being as manic as it is. Um, like to me, this is supposed to be the vibe of a gut punch, and not in a not in a like I'm gonna knock your teeth out. This is like I'm gonna make you stumble and like clutch at your stomach for a while because you're gonna throw up. Um, this is the um, think of a good. It's the uh, the scene from Willy Wonka where they're going down the tunnel. It's where we've had no we don't know where we're going. We show no signs of slowing, and somebody's in the back just laughing at you. Um, and telling you that, yeah, you, you, what, what have you done? What have you fucking done? You've done it How again. How dare you? Uh, stick your arm up or uh, stick up your arm for some fun or stick your arm up for some fun. Um, and then this, this, uh, this jeering thought that no matter how much you fucked up, no matter how much you hate it, no matter how disquieting it is, you still can't stop. So your sickness weighs a ton and God's name is smack for song. You are still going to come back. I love that. I, again, it's yes, the, the music's off putting. It's kind of meant to be the lyrics to make up for it to me. I love it. What'd you give it? Uh, 9.5. TY, what'd you give it? Uh, five. Five. And Nate, what'd you give it? An 8.25. I also gave it a five. Understandable. Again, I get it. The next track has multiple different names depending on where and when. Uh, it is most commonly now known as Iron Gland, all sometimes known as Untitled or Intro Dream Sequence. This is yeah, technically on Spotify. It's Untitled. Uh, technically, it is an intro to the next song. So we so we've gone back to a Van Halen record, Nate. Like we've gone back in time. Um, this is the song with Tom Araya, uh, with vocals. Yeah. If you want to call it that, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's four words. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way. I said this on the Van Halen that it was sometimes unfair to rank intro tracks. Listen to our diver down rank in like eight intro tracks on that 13 track album. I know. And like <laughs> some of them are good. Some of them are pretty cool. Uh, some of them are not. This is in the not category for me. Thank you. This, Thank you for saying it. My, <sighs> I, I have three words for my notes. The first word is pointless. This, the next two words are obviously Sabbath. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is here, and um. I don't rank it very high simply because if you listen to the Van Halen ranks, some of those intros were pretty well put together. Some of them were not. Some of them were just random. This one is, I don't want to be mean. I felt it, like it was barely an effort. It felt like something that was dicked around and just left on the record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, it's not, and, yeah. And Tom was there, and they hung out, and they said, like, "Oh, let me scream! I am Iron Gland." Yeah, thanks for the ride over here, by the way. Thanks for letting us up at your place. So, hey, you want to be on the record for thirty seconds? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it, yeah, yeah. And it's not even really 
there's no there's no attempt to make it a song. It's just noise. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, it, it still isn't the worst intro or uh, <laughs> instrumental track that has been ever I been written. I swear ranked. to Christ, if the next thing you say is Van Halen 3. <laughs> Surprisingly, no. The only instrumental on that was the intro to the album, and actually and that was like that the was best the thing highest, on the album. That was the highest record thing on the album. <laughs> no, Nate. Uh, what was the track? Um, I could just look it up right now. Uh, he's I, got the listing. Yep. I, uh, while he's doing that, let me, yeah, uh, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, 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 no. No, Tyler, you first. T-Y. I was going to say a dumb joke. Oh. No, but you first. We'll say a dumb joke. Is it Backdoor Sluts 9? <laughs> that's still, that's the same South Park reference that I've made since like 1999. Amazing. It's like I'm still, I'm still making that reference. So. <laughs> I just wanted to ask this question. Did they decide to spoil Endgame, the version with Ant-Man beating Thanos as the intro to this untitled? I am Iron Gland. Uh. Oh, God, Tyler. Tyler, that meme that I sent you, the meme that I sent you with the cock cannon, it's vibe checking the prostate. <laughs> I made Tyler disappear. <laughs> well said. So the Van Halen intro instrumental track, if whatever, was on balance and it was strung out. Oh my god, yes. If you haven't listened Which to Which unfortunately that, was like from 1983, right? It was an unused yeah, finished yeah, thing. Yeah. Which is the worst part about it. Okay, so that is the um, one of the only times, uh, other than a 10, uh, that we all gave it the same exact rank on that one. And do you want to guess what that rank was? Is zero a rank? No, it was one. <laughs> it, it, okay. We all gave it ones. Have, that, that was a legitimate question. Because so. Strung Out was him plucking on piano strings, uh, and it was uh, just <laughs> fucking noise. Okay, so... Okay. What I can say about uh, Iron Gland is that there's an immediate and obvious reference. Um, and so I gave it points for that. <laughs> and does it has, 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 ever, has everybody had a chance to say what they want to say about this track? I would, I would say that we put more effort into ranking this song than they put into making it. Well, the, I gave it a four. I The only... I had a three-word note as well, Brandon. Mine is waste of time. Mine is waste of time. <laughs> no, my like my oh, mine is gotcha. mine is waste gotcha. of time because this is forty-three seconds that I'm never going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I actually, I actually didn't even give this one a a, a numerical value. Because I wasn't sure what we were gonna do with it, since it is an intro track. You know, I, I just put a question mark. It gets, that's exactly what I have. It, it ranked. gets that's ranked. It gets ranked, and I I think I'm gonna give it a four, just like you, Brandon. Okay. Because, I mean, it's un. I don't know. Like, I yeah. You're professionals. I, what is this? It brings the album down. Yes, like, absolutely. It's, it's, 
my ranks I'm, have differed just just like a buckles. My ranks have differed a little bit from you guys, uh, but n- nothing like this. No, nothing. Um, no, it's trash, dude. It's trash. I, 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 I wasn't sure how we were going to rank it because I don't know. I didn't know what we did for intros or stuff like this. I gave it a five just because I felt like that was median. Just okay, it it exists. Yeah, but like you said, but, like, that's more effort than well, they you, put in. True. <laughs> to the be fair. The only reason I'm giving it a five is over a four is that I've also ranked like the other like off putting. Maybe that was the intention. Like there was supposed to be something that makes you feel weird and like woozy in the middle of it. So maybe that was what they're going for. I did. I did give it a five. I had it listed as a five. And when I re-listened today. I knocked it a point <laughs> because, yep. simply because I can understand that because it just made me angry when I got to him, like, what the fuck is this? All right. I, I ranked dude. it. I ranked it five question mark. <laughs> Nate, would you give it? Because it's disjointed and makes no goddamn sense. I gave it a 3.31. Oh, shit, dog. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> wow. You gave, it a, you gave it a Nate as an asshole. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! You gave it it a Nate is pissing off Brandon. (laughs) Hey, it's the algorithm. It'll still work regardless of my number. That 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 really hurt your average. See, Brando, he just compared you to an he just compared you to an algorithm. I am an algorithm. I am algorithm gland. Well, (laughs) Brandon. I am your algorithm. That's when you get zucked in the butt. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Damn. <laughs> wow, what a meta reference. I hate to feel that, is what Lane Staley said about hate to feel. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you just hate to feel that uh, in the old pooper. <laughs> Tyler's shaking his head. Nate's cracking up. I'm rubbing my temple. This is terrible. (laughs) Hate to feel the next track. We're getting this back on track. Hate to feel. Um, So uh, Staley wrote the song by himself. Uh, He wrote the guitars. He played guitars on the album for this song. Uh, And uh, five minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, Did I like it? Did I like it? I liked it a little bit better than the last thing. Well, the one thing that I will say is that the intro track sounding Sabbathy carries over into this one. I feel a Sabbath feel for this one. Uh, and it moves on to something a bit different. The lyrics are definitely deep here as they have been. And that is all I got for notes. So I'm going to toss it on over to Buckles. A um, couple things. Again, I like it's, it's self-loving. The whole thing is acceptance of what he is. He's realizing, that, yeah, I'm a fucking junkie. I'm, I am exactly what I didn't want to be. I'm not the cool, indestructible kid. I'm not the, the you know, flippant, you know, druggy. Uh, there's a line from from Junkhead where uh, hippie or hypocrite norms that are just boring. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not cool. I'm a fucking junkie. I am fucked up. I'm probably gonna die. <clears throat> I'm accepting this. That like used to be curious about it. Now this shit's sustenance. Like I have to have this to live or I will fucking kill myself. Uh, I didn't want to be like my dad, but guess what? I'm a fuck up too. It is, it is absolutely bitter as hell and ex- and hopeless. Like this is acceptance that you are fucking doomed. And, and it reads like a suicide note to me in a way, um, in a way that dirt kind of did. Uh, this is a little more like not, not as, as, 
openly, I guess, um, openly winking at it or openly like pointing towards it. You know, there's no reference to a pistol in your hand or a mouth, but it is just, he's done. <clears throat> he's done and he knows he's done. Um, musically, uh, I love the fucking uh, verse riff where it's just like almost unwinding. Like it mm-hmm. feels like it's musically unwinding and like, which fits so perfectly with everything else. Um, and then that, like, wish I couldn't see it all, hate to feel, wish I couldn't feel it all, hate to feel. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's done. He's reached the zenith. T.Y. I, you know, this is another one of those songs that at first I just wasn't, I just wasn't as into it. And, like, the second or third, fourth time that I listened to it in a row, and I started to dive into some of the lyrics, you know, Buckles just pointed out the chorus. Um, you know, it's definitely not my favorite song on the album, but, you know, in my notes here, salad or not salad. <laughs> Jesus. Tyler, you're not reading your rankings. That's your grocery. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I got an ad. <laughs> but uh, um, Solid. You know, that's first thing. Solid, period, dot. I think this is as solid a song as it gets. Um, powerful lyrics, you know. Don't love it, but I, I think it's it's strong. You know, I think it's one of the stronger songs on the album. Nate. I uh, really, really gravitated back to this song when I, you know, like I said, I'd only been listening to Dirt, really, and I was driving to work one day before I was on vacation and I didn't have any music on and I just heard wow mm-hmm. my head and I was like what is that that's really good what is that and I was like oh it's on dirt okay and then like filter through filter through and then I found it and I was like why does this stick out so much and in the notes the only thing I wrote is I from from plastic man paper face in that little pre-chorus thing whatever that is is the hookiest shit on the album mm-hmm. weirdly because it, it is not in the hookiest song or anything. There's a little like there's right. a little but, musical tone in that exact spot where it's like there's almost like a bell clanging in the back. Ding ding. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. Yeah. And then also the main verse riff reminds me of melting in the desert. Just like brown, brown. You're like you're slowly just melting into the sand. I don't know. It's an interesting vibe for Quicks, me. But, quicksand action. Yeah. That actually is slow sand if you've read about it. It's weird. Yeah, but the more you struggle, that's what they told me on the Wild Thornberry. Yeah. But <laughs> wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, hold on. I put on the headphones and all I heard was wild thornberries. Hey, you'll have to listen back, <laughs> bud. I, I am yep. I am confused and intrigued. Time stamps the wild thornberries. As long as you're not aroused, that's all that matters. <laughs> I would hope not. All of a sudden, like the sound of flea just, <laughs> just <laughs> sets him over the edge, man. In a base, in a baseline. That's good. That's good. A nine point one five. And TY, would you give it? Eight. Eight. And buckles. I give it a nine. 
No. Buckles' reaction to my rank just broke me. He was just like, what? <laughs> what? It's like, gonna pick, oh, one, my rank, five, my, what? My rank is going to be a whole number, and then I'm just going to add some fucking decimal points. Just Dude, like, I did that last week, and you guys just took it. You just three, accepted three, it. Three. Yes, because we expect chaos from you, Tyler. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to end up being a new drinking game for the Alice in Chains sect. During the Metallica go. set, it was every time Nate mentioned the Zune. The know. Zune! You know. Dude, for real, look. Look at this right here. Look. Oh, shit. Hey! It's Dude, I got Zune, two of them. Baby. Me too, me too. I have a I got... 120 gig black one and then an OG one like that, but it's brown and it's Halo edition military motherfuckers. Dude, I don't remember how many gig this was. 30 gig. Okay. That's a white yeah. 30 gig. Yeah, 30 gig. And then I had one that was like a navy blue color, but it was kind of see-through and it was brown on the inside. That one's real dope, too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching Brando's reaction to all this. It's just like, come on, guys, really? Fucking come on. Dude, we're, <laughs> dude, we're Zoom nerds. Leave us by Zoom. <laughs> Dude, uh, I fucking hate iPods. Get a Zune. I had a, a first-gen brick iPod, by God. Get a Zune, bro. Get with a get with get with 2007. <laughs> That's about the year they quit listen, making them. Listen too. here, you young whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaving college <laughs> at that point. I was getting thrown out of the fashion mall for getting my iPod worked on because you had to take it to a specific store. <laughs> and you got thrown out for it? Yeah, actually, I got, well, not for being at the store. I got thrown out while walking to the Apple store, the fashion mall in Indianapolis, because I had long hair, a Metallica t-shirt and a leather jacket on. And some woman saw me and hid her children. And my reaction was to just stop then go, are you fucking serious? And the cop just goes, no, you need to leave now. <laughs> but that, is, that was on the way to the Apple store in the fashion mall. I mean, there weren't any signs that told him he had to wear pants, and then, you know. <laughs> I've also that's been why he's one. on the registered sex offenders list. I've also, been, I've also been thrown out of that mall another time because one of my friends did take an article of clothing off there, although it was just shoes. Got thrown off for just deciding not to wear shoes in the fashion mall. And what I, are they, the fucking fashion police? Ha! The guy looked like LaFors from Mallrats, too. I'm not kidding. <laughs> So I gave anyway. that last song a seven. I can't remember if I, remember if I said my rank. Anyway, no, you did not. Uh, the next song, Angry Chair. Why are you so angry in your chair? Well, Wait, I, did I'm I say a... mine? Uh, y- yes. Yes, you did. Yes, you okay, did. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Yeah, Ray- gave Raymond. it a good old eight. <laughs> angry yeah, Chair, yeah. written by Lane mm-hmm. Staley, also wrote the guitar on this one. Man, this is a this is the second song that kind of reminds gives me Nirvana vibes, especially like like from In Utero or something. Not entirely, but it's got a little bit of that in there. When I try to say Nirvana vibes, I'm not saying for the whole song. I'm saying I hear it, and then... I, I can see it, though. I can see where you're coming from. But this was a single. Ang- uh, Angry Chair was the third single released from this one. And, um, yeah, I I actually really do like this. And this song, man, this song's heavy. This song's... It gets pretty chunky and pretty mm-hmm. heavy. Uh, I definitely do like it, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it on over to Nate. He's got something to say. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not right now. Uh, Ollie just broke character. Broke me. He walked through the kitchen and got me laughing, and now I'm off track. Go to someone else. Go to Tyler. I it's okay. I can rip. I really love this song. I think that the chorus is amazing. 
It's got um you you hit it actually. It does have a, a Nirvana vibe to it. Um and the way he pulses his voice on the word I, like I, 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 I really love that. Um the guitar work is really intricate and amazing. Um big fan of this song. It's one of those songs though, like the verse makes me not be able to really fully love the song because I don't love how some of the delivery of that part of the song is. So like I all the things I love is the chorus and the way the guitar is, but the vocal pattern in the verse is not my favorite. Dy, I also really like this song. Um, you know, Nate hit on a lot of kind of what I felt as well. Uh, one thing that I did really enjoy, or I do really enjoy, I, I guess I should say, is how it goes: verse one, verse two, then the chorus. You know, a lot of times, especially, you know, you think back to the 90s and everybody is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, you know, almost like a it's almost structured like a pop song. And, you know, this being one of the singles for sure, it's awesome that it's really not structured that way because, you know, it makes it kind of its own thing. So I'm a big fan. Uh, You know, I loved you know, even when, like if you look the lyric, the lyrics up, it's got you know how he kind of does that flutter with his eyes, uh, actually written down in the lyrics, which I dig. So, buckles. Um, I really do like the song. Um, it's instantly recognizable. You hear this on the radio, you know you're getting Alice in Chains within the first thirty seconds, if not sooner. First couple lines. Um, it feels like a single to me because it feels like it's kind of disconnected from parts of the album you've just come off this like four or five songs suite that are very interconnected very heavy and very thematically tied together and this one feels like it's kind of not um i also this one's a lot more superficial to me like i enjoy it don't get me wrong but i i enjoy it more i'm just a i like the music to it more than the lyrics um and it's got one of my favorite moments on any allison shane song that that after the da, 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 and you get that bow, like this echoing and for whatever reason in my fucked up ADHD mind it makes me think of uh, Django Fett's uh, like sonic sonic <laughs> bombs bow, like every time I hear that but it's it's a it's a slightly more commercial song to me it, it feels like it was made to be like this was always kind of intended to be a single maybe um, it, it's funny that you mentioned how it's like a bit different and, uh, as we've gone through here and, and really like dissected it and with what Lane said is like, this is really like a kind of a two part thematic record where the part of it has a certain feel. Then there's like, uh, like a drug trip, just like you said. And if you want to take the songs, Junkhead, Dirk, Godsmack, Hate to Feel and make that the drug trips of like the album almost, uh, the, then when you're putting together an album and you're doing um, um, track listings and everything like that, then these last two songs would be like the coming out of that. And it would feel yeah. different. So you would mm-hmm. be ending. And in my opinion, you know, uh, as you could tell by my ranks, I didn't really dig the the drug trip so much, but I, I do dig these songs and uh, coming out. And I do feel like they end the album with a freaking bang. And mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, so, what'd you give it, buddy? 
Um, I gave it a solid 8.5. 8. It's, it is a great song. It's a characteristic song for them. But for me, I just I appreciate more on a superficial level. T.Y., what'd you give it? 9.5. Nate? Not too far off base. 9.25, baby. Gave that one an 8 from me. The last song. The last song on the record written by Jerry Cantrell is Wood. Ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I was going to, buddy. My gonna, man. I was going to hit it right to you. Uh, Wood was the first single from the record. Uh, T.Y., would you go first? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I'll just get out, out front here. This is my favorite song on the album. Um, this is probably my favorite Alice in Chains song of all time. So, you know, I'm a little bit biased as far as this song. But some interesting things, a little fun fact for you here. The song concerns the late lead singer of Mother Love Bone, Andrew Wood, who died of a heroin overdose in 1990. So obviously, you know, Mother Love Bone, one of the, the you know, big grunge influencers that gets forgotten about a lot Absolutely. and kind of got no, some notoriety because of Andrew dying in 1990. Um Obviously, the, the heroin carries through the theme, but uh, interestingly, Wood, question mark, and Wood are homophones. So, uh, Cantrell writ, wrote it. Um, but let me get it pulled up here. I also love the fact that you they get a Mother Love Bone shout out when Mother Love Bone's not just known for Andrew Wood, but also known for being the genesis of Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Prior to some long-haired dickhead coming out of uh, San Diego, <laughs> the the chorus of this song is just you know the the drums are are it's such an up-tempoed song. Once it gets going, that it, you know it just puts you on the edge of your seat. And I mean, I, I I'm at a loss for words. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Buckles. Um. Musically, this is one of my favorite like drum and bass songs ever. I love the drum line. I love the bass line. I, the drums are tight. I desperately want to learn how to play this on drums. I would, I've tried to multiple times and always failed. Um, and the bass line is just so fucking chunky and just it funky almost. Just like Tyler, it's chunky and funky. Chunky um, and funky, babe. <laughs> all day. Um. <sighs> Again, this is to me. It's I, I love the song. It's a great single. It is a great song. I vibe with it all the time. The lyrics don't mean as much to me because I wasn't as big a Mother Love Bone fan, so I don't get all the references necessarily. Um, I do like the fact that it's kind of calling out people for passing judgment on other people. You know, I like the I, the vibe behind the song. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's a great Alice in Chains song. It's one that people recognize right off the bat. And Nate. So while the song in itself, everything that I needed to say, they already took care of about how great the song is. This song has a personal story to me and it's tied also. And, 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 and when I say this, it has no, it, it's happenstance that what I'm about to say is what I'm about to say. But this song and my own prison by Creed will always live next to each other in my mind. Why is that? You wonder they happen to be on the radio right at one right after another and a very specific moment in my life. And I'll never forget it. I was in little league. I was probably like in second or third grade. And one of the kids brought a wooden bat to practice. 
And it was, oh, it's cool. And the coach was doing pitching and we were practicing. And he, the kid, hit the ball and line drove it directly into my coach's face. And it exploded the top of his eye. Like literally his eyebrow exploded open. I've never seen so much blood. It was crazy. And it was like traumatic as a kid, like seeing all this happen. And like he had to stop practice and he's going to the hospital. And I remember I had to get a ride from somebody. And when we they drove me to the house, it was the end of my own prison and wood. And I just every time I hear this song, I can see Tom Spears holding his face, gushing blood, you know, from this baseball injury is fucking weird as it is from a wooden bat no i actually i it your true memories for me not song memories but you're making me think of watching somebody get injured on a sports field and watching a friend of mine get hit in the back of the knee with a discus oh uh oh yeah you want to i you hear a crack you can hear across a field no god um i the coolest thing about this song to me is the end the last three words or the last, the last line. And how if I could, it, would you this, do we have any like horror buff movie buffs in here? I know Tyler, you like some horror movies. Some, some Texas chainsaw massacre. Mm-hmm. The very first time you really see Leatherface, he opens up the door, cracks the dude in the head with a hammer. You hear that snap mm-hmm. when he, when he shuts that metal door, you just hear this. Boom, and it just reverberates. Mm-hmm. That last line of wood is that sound. It is just this unholy boom at the end. Mm-hmm. And it is so cool to me. Always is one of the coolest moments to me. This to me is like the capstone of Alice in Chains. Because it's just it's such an up-tempoed song and there's really not a lot to it. But they just take they take just Bam, I want to write a song about this dude. Bam, there it is. And that's how it feels to me. I think this might be one of the best closers on an album that we've ranked so far. Absolutely. Quite typically for a lot of bands, they put their better songs towards the beginning or just kind of scattered throughout the record. Uh, Very rarely do you have like a big single come from the last track on Mm -hmm. an album. There's a beautiful bit of dichotomy between this and Facelift, mm-hmm. where you had the first four tracks were all the singles, and the last two tracks were the first singles off of this. Mm-hmm. Or not the first singles, but the very first single, and then... Yeah. Uh, I love the bass in this. I love mm-hmm. the groove, the vocal harmonies, and that... You said it, Buckles. That fucking ending. Yeah. I I love how, it, how this song defies the structure of a verse-chorus, because then it goes, like, it goes into like a full outro. And mm-hmm. and it kind of changes it up, and then just bams hits it home. I gave this song a ten. I teetered with it. I almost didn't give it a ten, but I didn't think there was any way that I couldn't, um, because of just how much this song hits. Um, so yeah, I gave it a ten. Nate, what'd you give it? A ten. Buckles, what'd you give it? A ten because it is one of the best songs on two separate albums. This is also, like I said, it's the single, one of the lead singles from the movie singles, which is very much tied to the entire grunge movement, is a fantastic soundtrack in its own right. And it's one of the best songs on that album, too. It's one of the few albums you'll ever hear or songs where you'll hear Alice in Chains described as having a groove. And they very well do. T.Y.? 
10 out of 10, baby. 10 out of 10, buddy. That if is... I could turn it up to 11, I would. There, there. I know the feel, buddy. That is three perfect scores on one album. Not too many albums get that kind of love. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure if any actually have Nate that we've done so far. Uh, that we've done. I, I have not looked at the scores for the Between the Barrier to Me, and I know that uh, Colors over there got a lot of love and was uh, from the quote from our good buddy old Blaine, Dick Blaine, said the scores might have been a little inflated because it was just so loved. But, guys, that is it for Dirt. The final results, Brando, my average score was... 7.73. Nate was at a 8.74. TY, Tyler, yours was 8.3. And Buckles, yours was a 9.19. <laughs> I warned all of you ahead of time. <laughs> um, this uh that you did. <laughs> I was I was going through um and watching the master score, the master rank. Um go from the being the number two ranked uh album that that we have done of all time on any show on any show the, the, the number one ranked is 1984 <laughs> um number two is master of puppets uh, for uh, at least as far as i'm aware uh un, unknowing of the final results of the between the barrier to me uh this one doesn't quite get there but the master rank is 8.49 so pretty damn respectable and within the ballpark of some of the higher album ranks that we've done so far. Of course, we had three perfect scores. We had Down in a Hole with a 10. We had Rooster with a 10 and Wood with a 10. The lowest ranking, I, I don't think it's any surprise, it's Intro Iron Gland with a 4. <laughs> Is there, I want to ask you something real quick while you're looking at the numbers. If you took Iron Gland out of there, what, what the do you know what the uh, total would be? How much does that one, if that could be called a song, dragging it let me see. Brandon, also, do you want to go through the individual track averages for the chat or no? The oh, so every single track our, our averages, like we did last time. Um, I didn't go through every single track last time. Um, uh, I I usually hit the highest and then the lowest, but um, right. All right, without. Well, what? Hold on. Um, without Iron Gland. So this is a this is an addendum. This is asterisk. All right. right. If Iron Gland didn't exist, my rank goes up to an eight. <laughs> Nate's goes up to a nine point two. Oh yeah. Tyler's goes up to an eight point six, and Buckles goes up to an eight point or to a nine point five. <laughs> With a master rank of 8.8. So, yeah, okay. it definitely it improves the rank dramatically down, yeah. and shows you why you shouldn't put waste of time, uh, especially for this project. This project, we're ranking them all. If it's an intro track, we got to rank it. We got to slap something on there. So, yeah. unfortunately, it can drag down uh, an album because some people will be like, why would you even bother with that? Just skip it. Well, then you're not ranking the album, dude. We're ranking them all. Correct. You're not ranking them all, baby. Yeah, um, my bad, Brandon. I was thinking of our averages. I, that's what I put in the chat last week. Oh, uh, yes. And uh, by all means, feel free to do that again. I have all the numbers here on my uh, on my spreadsheet. And guys, thank you once again for joining me for this awesome album rank. Uh, Not a problem. 
Nate, do you want to close us out and tell people where they can find us? Well, as always, you can find us on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, many others. Just search all your favorite podcasting platforms for Rank Em All podcast. Also, go to rankemall.rocks. That's our main feed where you can get all the different shows and all the different uh, bands that we've been through their discographies. But do not forget that you can spend your time looking at our beautiful sexalicious faces with these great beards. If you're bearded or not bearded, if you're not bearded, whatever facial expressions you're rocking. Cause you can check us out on YouTube, baby, go and get us rank them all rocks on YouTube. I do believe, or it's just rank them all podcast. One of the others, you'll be able to find us pretty easily though. We are one of one. So that's it guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, TY, thank you for joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me. Buckles, thank you for joining us as well. It's been great. It's been fun. And we're heading straight into the flood again, if you will, into the next episode. Which, guys, uh, before we head out, I want to let you guys know that um, the next episode will be the EP episodes. There was an EP in between the first and second album that was Sap. And there's an EP after this one called Jarrah Flies. We're going to combine the two episodes and do those two back to back on the same episode. So give those two a listen, guys. And we'll see you then next time on Rank Em All. Later on, guys.